everyone, and welcome to episode number seven of Conversations in Momentum, brought to you by the teams at Momentum Transport Consultancy and Momentum Transport Canada. I'm Amelie Koss. And I'm Joe Tang. This is our first podcast of 2023, so we'd like to wish all of our listeners a very happy new year and hope you had a lovely break. Uh, we had a fantastic bunch of guests on and themes that we discussed in our first six episodes of the podcast during 2022. If you've not heard any of those yet, you can find them on SoundCloud or also at momentum-city.com. To kick off 2023 then, we're talking to the head of our engineering team, Derek Griffiths, who, amongst many other things, became a director at Momentum last year, so very exciting year for him. Uh, Derek draws on his experience as a chartered civil engineer delivering transport and public realm schemes across the world, from inception and planning right through to detailed design and construction. So, welcome to the podcast, Derek. We're looking forward to hearing about some of the work you've been involved in over the last year. Thank you, Joe. It's good to be here. Cheers. Great. Uh, so, let's get started. Uh, Derek, I'm sure you've heard by now that at the start of our podcast, uh, for each of our guests, we ask them to share a transport-related story or experience, which can be a professional or a personal one. So would you like to start and share with us your story of a transport experience? Sure. Difficult one. So, so many places. I've been working for what feels like an eternity now um, since, I, since I graduated. So there's a, a lot to choose from. Um, I think one of the memories that I go back to very regularly um, as an engineer um, was my time working in India um, just because it departed from the work that I've done in the UK uh, so significantly. Um, I was asked when I was uh, um, a much younger engineer, a senior engineer, to head to um, India, a city called Gagan, um, which is near New Delhi, um, to help um, a large developer who had effectively built or created a huge, a huge city um, outside of New Delhi um, to help them pick some of the transport problems that they'd got. Um, and it was really eye-opening having worked for at that point in time uh, five six years in the UK to go to a place where all of a sudden um, the car was king again so the whole time I've been in the UK um, we've very much been in a post car environment public transport walking cycling has always been at the top of the agenda uh, to head to India and to find a client who was very much driving an agenda of I want more traffic lanes, I want more roads, I want more junctions, um, was really turned what I'd, everything that I'd done before on its head. Um, and it was really interesting. Um, it's really interesting to see a society that um, obviously still put back the car as a status symbol, as a, as a kind of a way of... Um, moving around and a, a way of sort of proving um social mobility and um, that you just don't see um in in the UK to the same extent or in the same way um anymore um and i think yeah it it was fascinating um i think that project also brought out 
for me the lessons of the pros and cons of a robust and strong planning system um i i always recall um at the end of one of my trips to india um uh, someone asking me what how I might potentially look at a junction redesign and I'd sketch something out on the back of a piece of paper um, and flew home. I came back six months later, asked whether they wanted us to, to pick it up and do it anymore. And uh, they said, oh, no, 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 we've, uh, we've, we've built that. That's all fine. Um, and again, coming from a place like the UK where things can get bogged down and things can take years to develop, it was really interesting to work in a place where things just get done. Um, equally, that comes at a cost, um, a societal cost, um, land just being cleared for cleared for sites. Um, but it was really interesting. Um, it, it really gave me a, a flip side view of the work that we do um, as engineers around the world. Um, and all of that is before saying just how phenomenal it was just to work in India. Um, just what an amazing country and what an amazing experience that was um, uh, from all the people that I met and worked with, um, the culture, the food, the places that I went to visit, the festivals. Um, I think a real, a real highlight of my career. That's really interesting. It, it, it's interesting sort of hearing about the different um, modal uses, I guess, that they have compared to the UK and compared to what, what we're trying to bring through, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and how you move around. Um, I think executives and white collar or however you want to describe uh, those sort of workers um, getting in the back of cars and having drivers as a norm um other words the tuk-tuks the the motorcycles the modal split is just entirely entirely different and it's mm. and obviously the the view of it can be seen as chaotic and a lot of it is chaotic obviously in terms of using the space but in in another way it, it just works as well um yeah, yeah. in a way that you just can't see how it would possibly work in this country just because it's it's so far away from the norm here. Are there tales of people sort of crossing the road and having to uh, just keep walking, basically, and the traffic moves around them as they go? Uh, yeah, sounds, sounds completely alien, doesn't it, at times? It does. I mean, I think for the most part that works, but I think mm -hmm. yeah. also India, we, I mean, not shying away from it, has one of the worst... Um, records for road fatalities in the world as well so actually a big part of being there was about looking to address that and not just accepting the oh well this is just how it is but also saying well why um, people don't have to be killed on the roads um, just be just whilst they're crossing them um, people don't have to gamble with their lives um, or they shouldn't have to um, at least and so mm. yeah a big part of being there was about trying to draw some of the lessons that I'd learned um, from working working around the world um, and in in the UK to try and do things a bit better yeah that must have been absolutely fascinating um, 
looking um, forward then on the sort of momentum focus side of things. Uh, so Derek, you're the first guest of ours from the engineering side of momentum to join the podcast. Uh, for those who don't know, by the way, Momentum, we're, we're very proud to have a very integrated consultancy where all of our engineers, our modelers, our planners work very closely together. Um, personally, I found that's something that's been incredibly beneficial on our schemes during my time here. I was just wondering, Derek, from your perspective, if you could um, talk to us about what that integrated consultancy looks like from the point of view of the engineers and the engineering team and from the point of view of the projects that you're working on at Momentum. Sure. Yeah, I think I think it creates uh, a role in the in as an engineer that is that is hugely varied um, because we work across the project life cycle. So one day we're potentially sitting with uh, a developer and the architect and looking on a big blank sheet of paper on at a master plan or a, how might we take access to this plot of land or how might this work with big felt dip pens to the next day looking at standard details and exactly what material should we be specifying for um, this piece of public realm or for this carriageway at on this junction for TFL. Um, there's a huge range of work that we um, do as engineers at Momentum. Um, so I think the most enjoyable part of being an engineer at Momentum is is the lack of any possible ability of being pigeonholed into one type of engineering um, because what we're doing is so is so broad. Um, I think that means that we have to have a real eye on the detail. So what we want to achieve at Momentum is to have clients who want to continue to use Momentum from project inception right the way through to we've built this out on site right at the end and so all the way through that life cycle we're not looking to just take our clients work up to the end of the planning process for instance and then wash our hands of it that means that we also are, are invested right the way through the project as well, uh, that that specific project it means that we 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 do have have to be uh, confident that we're getting things right right the way through because we're the ones who is going to who are going to be picking up the pieces if it's not quite right. Um, it's really nice to have the opportunity to do things right first time um, to iron out those engineering problems really early doors um, because that's when it costs us far less money um, to fix problems. Um, but then it's also nice to properly get into the into the detail properly get out on site be a resident engineer actually validate the designs that we're doing um, I think being involved right the way through that life cycle um, through with our planners with our modelers is is what it's all about um, is being integrated through that through that project throughout 
Great. Uh, so thank you for that, Derek. Um, moving on to our next question, I was uh, recently reading an interview with you uh, that actually everyone can find on our website. Uh, it's called A Conversation with Derek. Um, and you were asked in that interview about how you envisage people interacting with future cities. And you said, I quote uh, the interview, uh, technology will continue to change how we live and work, but it won't change the fact that we are social beings and that we will therefore always want to come together to interact, share experiences, and continue to be in awe of how design, when combined with nature, space, and material, can reshape environments and create communities. And I thought that was a really interesting point and that struck me as in our recent podcasts and when we've been talking about Momentum City, it's been an important topic we've discussed and particularly that tension between uh, technology and the innovation that we can bring in urban environments, but also the fact that they, those environments need to remain social spaces and just really live for the people that are in it uh, is something we've been talking about more than once in, in conversations uh, with momentum. So um, these ideas have been key when we've discussed our different landmarks in Momentum City. And I was wondering if you could just explore a bit more on that on that topic and tell us about how you how you think uh, our role and your role is in terms of uh, creating spaces for people in that way. Yeah, I mean, and I think I think on top of where that came from, we've obviously come through a, a pandemic and our ways of working of uh, entirely um, being upended. Um, I think if I fast forward to now from when I said that, um, I think the interesting pieces at the beginning of last year, um, I think people's ideas of what going back to work um, was going to be has, has varied. So I think I got a sense a year or so ago that people were probably anticipating, oh, I'll be back in the office um, one or two days a week. And I think at Momentum, we've never compelled people to come back to the office. We have never, we've never defined what that requirement is. And I think that means that what we've seen is, is a far more natural um, flow of people in the and coming back to the the office um we've always said we're a collaborative organization we want people to be in the office because that's how we that's how we get the best out of people and i think that's how we do our best some of our best work um but we haven't required it um and i think what we've observed over the last year is is the natural tendency of people who potentially said, oh, one or two days a week is a fine for me, actually settling into more people coming in more and more. Um, and I think that kind of bears out what I was saying in terms of that the social beings that we are, that um, actually the city of the future will always require that um, collaboration space um, whether the office of today is the office of tomorrow um, I think it will continue to evolve but um, in terms of that desire for people to come together uh, to collaborate um, that requirement will, all, will, will always be there in my view and that's where the city of the future I think lands um, I think to that end actually what 
one of the outputs of the last few years has been just how much technology can drive um, a lot of it, but can't drive everything. Um, and I think we're we're in a we're in a place now that um, says technology can do a lot. But we still need to create those places as engineers, as planners. We still need to provide those spaces for people to congregate. We need to provide the means for them to do it, for for people to do it, to to move um, and get to and from places. Because we see just this natural tendency for people to need that as part of their um, as part of life. Um, I think things like well well-being has become uh hugely uh better known and, and mo- more more clearly spoken about in the last few years compared to the previous 10 15 of my career um and a huge part of that is is the social side is the is the well-being side and we as planners as as designers of cities have a huge role to play there in in that movement piece in that in that in that social environment in that um environment for people to move and to be to be healthy that's hugely applicable and and yeah definitely something i think a lot of our our team at Momentum fell, isn't it? That sort of draw back to the office, even when they don't have to be there, it's still, you know, very busy, a very sort of um, inviting environment to, to get people in. And and I guess I've heard that a lot in the wider context as well of designing the likes of, you know, the, the big cities is trying to see what can we do to to keep it inviting and keep more people coming to the office in the future. Or, or just anything, I guess, in, in big city environments like that. I think with I think with everything, if you look at if you look at retail, if you look at any of these areas, the technology will get us so far. And obviously, retail has been hugely affected by the internet, and which obviously clearly hugely predated COVID and all of those things. Um, COVID probably didn't help didn't do retail any favors in terms of it pushed people online even even further but retail has to therefore reinvent itself and there is still a need for those experiences of going shopping whether it's social whether it's actually trying things on um but i think that's where we move to an experience based society rather than uh just a, a purchasing uh based society yeah no, absolutely. Should be an interesting one to, to keep an eye on. Um, as mentioned earlier at the start of the podcast, Eric, this, so this is our first recording in 2023. With that in mind, we'd like you to cast your mind back over the last year and bring through some transport highlights of the year and also um, give us an idea of what your hopes might be for the coming year for 2023. I think the standout one for for me as someone who was involved in it um quite a long time ago but involved in it was that crossrail opened finally um obviously with a with a slightly bruised uh, reputation obviously having been delayed so long after it being kind of on track and being a bit of a uh, poster child of the engineering uh, industry for a, for a long while it was obviously really disappointing to have to wait uh, so much longer for it to open but equally going 
into the Elizabeth line for the first time as a operating uh, open railway and actually seeing what um, engineers can actually build um, in 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 the 21st century is is just staggering um you can the fact that you can walk between let's take take bond street as an example that you can you can you can walk and look at one of the original deep line undergrounds and how small and compact they are and then you can go into the new elizabeth line and you've got a hundreds of meters long um vast airy um cathedral to civil engineering um i think is quite is quite astounding really and i'm sure the the pain of of the of the delay will very quickly be forgotten just like the pain of um many infrastructure projects in the past has has gone because the asset and the legacy remains um i think it's 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 a really fantastic asset and i've really played that with the fact that momentum have got more and more heavily involved with HS2 in 2022 um, and built built a lot lot of uh, additional work work through through those pieces we're involved at both ends of of the line now both at Euston station and at Curzon Street um, doing uh, a huge amount of uh, really interesting work in helping facilitate that what I'm sure will be another great uh, civil engineering legacy of of, of the future um, and that's what I'm one of the things that I'm really looking forward to really getting my teeth stuck into in 2023 um, I think that's the that's on the on on that business uh, business and momentum side um, obviously there's a lot of concern in 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 the world at the moment in 2023 um interest rates um soaring um belt tightening potentially for people and i think one of my biggest hopes is that local authorities as they feel the squeeze of uh funding um don't cut the things from the wrong items um such as sustainable transport um uh, actual uh, equitable modes of transport um, and I think we do see some of that I certainly observed it in the cold snap that we had just before Christmas in the the roads uh, the carriageways will get cleared of snow um, they will be gritted and the footpaths and the footways don't um, and effectively you're again just reinforcing a two-tier um, world where the motorist is still king and actually if you want to move around you should either take your take your risks on slipping over all over the footway or try walking down the middle of the road um and neither of those options are palatable um uh, for for almost anyone walking but certainly not the mobility impaired and the vulnerable and so i think my real hope is is that actually those priorities um for the right sustainable modes continue and we don't lose that in favor of um of regressing towards a, a motorized car dominated space at the top of our movement pyramid i completely support that and long for the day when you see a, a footway getting cleared before the carriageway of snow and ice me too joe me too <laughs> 
Well, that was uh, really interesting, and I, I thought it's, uh, it's actually quite funny to hear you talk about uh, snow clearing in the UK and how uh, it's, um, it's, it's been quite unfair to see that uh, roads uh, for vehicles were, were cleared quicker than, than footways. It's actually a topic that here in Montreal we've, hear, we've heard a lot across the years, and it's been a recurring <laughs> complaint every winter. Um, and it's uh, it's actually um, interesting because in the more recent years, uh, cycle lanes have been cleared quicker than uh, footways, and it's something that pedestrians uh, complain about. But actually, the reason is simply that there are less obstacles on the cycleway than there is on a footway. <laughs> so I would definitely now recommend uh, winter cycling and cycling as the quicker way to move around the city uh, after a snowstorm. Um, we're coming to an end for the podcast today so Derek thank you so much for joining us today uh, it was really interesting to hear you uh, share your experiences projects and thoughts for the future thanks Emily thanks Joe thank you very much Derek and we hope you the listener enjoyed our conversation today as always we'll be keeping the conversations going on LinkedIn where you can find us at Momentum Transport Consultancy and Momentum Transport Canada and follow the podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. So from all of us at Conversations in Momentum, thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>